really got to try on that left-hand side. What happened? <laughs> oh, but I've gone up and over, and Marty had over biscuit. It was a, uh, it was, a, it wasn't enough stability there for myself. But um, no, I was busting for a bit of meat this game. It didn't seem to work out. Hello, cheers, and welcome, welcome once again to the Scrum of the Earth, the podcast that offers news, results, predictions, and as I've said just recently, uh, some really cool interviews, it turns out. So who am I? Uh, Well, I'm David Lawrence. I'm an American rugby fan. I follow as much rugby as I can all over the world. Uh, If you're new, I follow my New England Free Jacks in Major League Rugby. I always root for my USA Eagles internationally, and when I can, I root for Scotland, and down in Super Rugby, the always exciting Highlanders, who uh, just recently signed Marty Banks to a nice new deal, and I'm kind of excited about that. So, The Scrum of the Earth is a weekly podcast with bonus episodes uh, frequently thrown in, very frequently, it turns out. And in fact, uh, this is one of those cases. Uh, This is a bonus episode you're listening to right now. In fact, this is the second part of a three-part bonus episode. Uh, So at this point, I really need to rethink my naming schemes, it might be. So thank you all for listening. As always, please, please get in touch with me. I am at of Scrum. I'm always available at the Scrum of the Earth at gmail.com. Get in touch whenever you want. I love hearing from you. So as you, I'm sure, know, uh, this is the second part of a gigantic three-part bonus episode. If you missed the first one, please go back and listen to that first Um the amount of stuff we cover, it might not matter too much. Uh, we're not exactly doing history chronologically, but um, a lot to cover and uh, lots of great stuff from JB. So if you missed the first part, go back and listen to that. This is the second part of that great conversation we had. Um, so if you're really brand new to rugby and to rugby podcasts, that's the only scenario I can imagine where you wouldn't have heard of my next guest. So uh, if you're new to the Egg Chasers, the links are all in the show notes below. Um I've been told more than once that the fact that my pod is relatively short is one of the good things about it. So I've taken our incredible conversation, diced it up into three little bits, and uh, this is the second of the two. So please enjoy. Uh, it was such a great treat for me, and I hope you enjoy it too. He's a great person to talk about me. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and look, it's, it's ended badly. Uh, after COVID and some financial mismanagement, but that's what England were doing. They're spending much more than the, the uh, than the others on grassroots. So I hear when you listen to Welsh commentary, they're always talking about how there's probably too many teams there in the first place, but nobody wants to, theirs to be the one that's given up. Uh, if you could become dictator of the Pro 14, would that be the answer? Say, no, Wales, you have three teams, not four. Ireland, you have get three teams, not four. Scotland, you get one. Italy, you get one. Well, I guess the dream of the Celtic nations is to join the premiership, isn't it? That, that, that's ultimately what they want to do. Mm. And the Welsh in particular missed, the, missed the, uh, the best on that about 20 years ago. And I don't think it's up to the premiership owners to reopen the door and say, yeah, come on, come and join our brilliant competition. Because then you don't get a final potentially in Twickenham. It might be in Cardiff or, you know, I just don't think that's the option. Uh, uh, I think what they have to do is they have to have a serious conversation among the uh, among the unions and say if we are going to run this competition, it's got to be stable. We've got to have a, a, a five, you know, a five five years worth of stability at least. And when our teams take the field, we can't have the Ospreys just being a babysitting service for Alan Wynne Jones. You know, we can't have 
half of the Scottish team not showing up for Edinburgh or, or, or Glasgow. We're either playing it with our full strength teams or not, but it's not it's not a babysitting service. Now, this sort of links into what I was saying before. So England was spending the most of all the unions on grassroots rugby. Ireland, by contrast, spent a lot more on their professional team than uh, percentage-wise than England did. Hmm. Now, as the Pro 14 gets weaker as a product, the percentage of money that the unions are going to be spending on their players or their professional players is going to go up. And when it goes up, they also have more of a veto as to who plays and who doesn't. So you can watch Leinster team some week and they are absolutely, well, they're not, oh, actually, that's a lie. No Leinster team is dross. Leinster is <laughs> yes, no Leinster team. Bad yeah. example. <laughs> incredible, incredible, incredible all, all, um, organization. But in a way, they kind of highlight the problem, don't they? Which is um, you can watch a Leinster team without Johnny Sexton for most of the year. And then you think, well, how they put this team together? Is their salary cap the same as, say, Cardiff's salary cap? Or no, not cap, but salary spend. Is there even a, is there even a salary cap? All these questions are kind of unclear. And well, the, the whole salary non-transparency as an American, that's another thing that's very hard to understand because everything that goes on the books, you, you can just go look it up super easy. It's all yeah. like, oh, no, 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 we're under, we're under. seems very strange. Well, a very good friend of mine was telling me um, – about the premiership club owners and he was saying that they very much act like they are one homogenous group who you know are in it for the good of the sport and i think they are i mean i'm an enormous fan of what the club owners do for the premiership but ultimately what they are is competitors and their egos and their businessmen and they want to win yeah and that's why they want to outspend each other and they almost need to be saved from their own hubris most of the time <laughs> I just have to imagine there's so many more under the table little things like, yeah, yeah, well, you'll also get this Rolls Royce or you'll get this this house or whatever. It must be so easy. Mm. It must be so easy to get away with. I can't believe that it doesn't happen more often and, uh, you know, that they ever get caught because it seems like it would be pretty simple. <laughs> yeah, and, that, and that's, I mean, I think what they should do is they should make the players' agents fill in what is effectively a tax return to the league and they should disclose everything that the player thinks that they're getting. <laughs> yeah, and if it's wrong, like <laughs> if it's wrong, the agent loses his license. Uh, simple as that. And if the player fills it in himself, well, then there's a chance that, that he gets banned if he does not declare what he's getting. Because that's the problem with, with the Saracens stuff. Everyone said, oh, well, the players never knew it was legal. Like, well, if they just declared it on a ta tax return, they don't need to know if it's legal or illegal, just declare it. And then the independent authority can look at what they say. Oh, look, Mario Toji is getting 800,000 a year. As long as he's declared it, he is off the hook. Yeah. If he hasn't declared it, he's got a problem. No, I, I lived through the whole Saracens thing and uh, I never felt any malice towards any of the players. So, you know, this you have this teeny tiny window of opportunity. If somebody says, hey, here's yeah. some money. And by the way, I've got this for you to sweeten the deal. You'd almost be an idiot to say, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah, and actually... The whole Saracens thing is far more nuanced than people think. Um, Saracens got absolutely slammed for it. And yeah, I can... I mean, people call well, the, the, pun the punishment became so ridiculous. The, here's your punishment. No, 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 we meant this is your punishment. Yeah, oh, no, no, here's a, a different punishment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It just became obvious that they were like, wait, <laughs> we're taking the bases and going home. Because they did it so hastily, but they didn't actually look at the rules of the competition. They had to carry on adjusting it. Because I think the rules of the competition said... 
that the team that finishes bottom of the Premiership gets relegated. Well, there was a good chance that Saracens were going to catch someone up. You know, yep. they were 30 points down. Yeah. Oh, did we say 35 back. points? We meant 70 points. Ah, right, there we go. No, no more. <laughs> anyway, that was ridiculous. That was absolutely ridiculous. They made and themselves it, look really foolish. Oh, it doesn't take much for the Premiership to make themselves look foolish. I mean, it really, really doesn't. The club owners are one thing. They're um, a particular type of breed and they're incredibly capable. The <laughs> the administration of the premiership is, um, it's unbelievable, quite quite, uh, 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 quite frankly. They had a window of opportunity to appoint the right people. They've actually got a window of opportunity now after uh, Darren Childs left to appoint the right person. Well, what are you resuming your campaign for? Is it is it director chair of the the RFU? We haven't heard about it in a while. Um, <laughs> you got to start print, printing lawn signs and stuff. Yeah, uh, JB JB twenty twenty. Yeah, it was twenty twenty at one point. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. Uh, at one point, I will do that because I quite fancy the expense accounts. Yeah, not, that sounds good. It's about thirty grand a year you get in travel. And the gronies for everybody. Yeah, plus one, you get to stay. <laughs> I think you get to do one or two away games a year in the Six Nations. I mean, it, it, it my view on this, right? Because or if you council gets a, a lot of heat um, because it's an all boys club. My view on this is if they just called it an all boys club and said, look, we have 30 spots up for grabs and therefore base. Well, they're just basically for looking after people who've done really well in the amateur game. And we're going to treat them like heroes for a couple of years. I'd be all on board. But the fact that they pretend it's some sort of semi-judicial oversight body oh uh, yeah it's a joke it's yeah a... yeah they should just call it the gravy train and be like welcome just aboard i'm 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 down with that why why yeah. you know what we do that's, that's absolutely fine <laughs> i think that makes a lot of sense so uh here's a kind of a, a zig to that zag let's say that you're you're retired now you're a, a globally recognized rugby magnate mm -hmm. uh, you've got a 200 million dollar treasure chest Ooh. And uh, your task is to try to elevate a tier two nation to tier one status. So wow. what, what, na what nation are you going to pick and what are you going to do with that money? What a great question. Uh, you, okay. You got to think, you got about the first thought's got to be a Pacific nation, right? No, it's not. It's no. not a Pacific nation. Holland. Holland. <laughs> is that right? Yeah, Holland. So Holland, because um well well first of all it's it it's a wealthy country second of all tallest humans on, um, on earth <laughs> and they are obviously closely related to the south africans yes so i think holland would be a great holland or zimbabwe that would be the other one mm. and the reason i'd look at zimbabwe is 200 million quid in zimbabwe can, can buy you an awful lot of stuff <laughs> yeah. like an awful lot of stuff you know <laughs> you do have uh, to think about that the 200 million in Holland, maybe that's only, uh, you know, yeah, <laughs> a trip to the red light. Yeah, yeah, quite. <laughs> Whereas in Zimbabwe, and also Zimbabwe are the same as Holland, got those links to South Africa. Um, there's already been a Zimbabwean back row who won the premiership, uh, which was, I'm going to forget the names, Kai Horseman, Don Armand, and Dave Ewers. So those, that means you've got, your, you've got your back row from a few years ago, you know, ready to rock and roll. I think um, David Pocock is a, is Zimbabwean too. He has a connection, right? Yeah. So you're starting to look around and think, "Hang on a minute, this isn't this isn't looking too shabby." But if I was going to do it from scratch, Holland would be the one because I'm sure I could get loads of Dutch heritage guys from South Africa just to give me that initial boost. <laughs> um, 
and also they play handball. And handball, you know, it's kind of you're catching and throwing and, you know, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah, Holland. Give me Holland. I like that one. It, I, I think I've asked a few people that, and the answer's always got to be Tonga or something. Uh, uh, it I seems like you, they're so close that, you know, but. I, I tell you the other one, which you might want to consider, is Spain. Oh. Spain's such, such a peaceful country. Uh, such a fun-loving country as well. And when they play rugby, it is such, it's just such a good atmosphere. Oh. Uh, festival atmosphere. The reason I wouldn't do it in Spain, though, is do you know when some sort of kind-hearted person tries to get involved with something in it? Uh, uh, like, like when some sort of missionary goes to Africa and ends up actually ruining the culture by uh, <laughs> you know, giving out the wrong medication. You think the, the, the money would ruin Spain or yeah, Spanish rugby? I do, actually. They're the only tier two nation who has a coach from their own country. Ah, incredible and they seem to be making their own way in the world quite nicely without without my 200 million yeah i do i, I noticed you never hear about them in the minute well of course in the united states who, who knows what <laughs> what we're skipping but uh <laughs> and you've been you've actually been to see rugby in spain i think more than once uh definitely once definitely once went to the spain germany game oh i've seen kenya versus canada uh, seen at least one, maybe two USA games, Hong Kong versus somebody else. Uh, we and there's another one, uh, Romania, Georgia was a good day out. Oh, that uh, sounded great. Yeah, I've, I've, I've seen my fair share of fair share of tier two, and I'd, I'd like to watch a lot more of it. Well, uh, I've got a, I got a speed round for you here. Go for it, fire away. Are the Sail Sharks going to win the Prem within the next three seasons? No. No, so, and a little side question. So, uh, I was going to say, as an Englishman, do you consider yourself English first? Uh, North Walian. North Walian. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Um, so, do you have any desire that people criticize Sale for all the South Africans on the, on their team? I think yeah. they're a great team, and I love watching them. So, I, I can't be bothered by that. Um, do you wish? That it was a smaller percentage. Does it bother you? Does it register? No, I don't care. I, I, I'm more bothered by the fact I think they're flawed. I, I couldn't care where where the players come from. Mm. And actually, the job that Sale Sharks do in the local area is phenomenal. It really is. Uh, it really is phenomenal. Uh, they've been given lad. They've been giving more lads more chances than almost any, any other club for the longest time. And most of that was because they had no money, and it didn't really do much then now i think we will see sale go after more lads who come from the northwest oh. Funnily enough, um we saw that with newcastle newcastle started doing well they thought they could give their players what they and, and actually you hear this uh, this actual phrase in 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 the nfl the uh, home, hometown discount yep exactly what newcastle did and it was quite successful actually um i i think sale are going to pivot that way and the reason I say I don't think they're going to win in the next three years is because the team they currently have is flawed. Mm. Uh, I think the Dupree's are incredible at certain things, but some of their decision-making is in, just astonishing. Um, I think Faf is amazing, but like one in every five passes is just all, you know, all, all over the show. Really? Uh, well, I've never, I've never heard anyone say that about Faf. Well, actually, that's not always true. That, that's not strictly true. I, I think it was when he first showed up. That's probably not true now. I tell you what is true, though. 
he's so hard to play with. And this is why I think AJ McGinty deserves a lot of a lot of credit. And I, I wonder if he was hard to play with when he first arrived because he had to do everything. He had to mm. do kicking out of hand, he had to make the breaks, he had to do the tackling, he had to do everything. He doesn't have as much responsibility now. And funnily enough, I don't think he's been playing as well for sale recently. But AJ huh. McGinty is one of those players who just calms everything down around him. He's mm. a real good calming influence. Um, he would be one of the reasons I think that they can win the Premiership. But I just think that they're, they're built in a certain way where Alex has got to sort I don't know, sort of mould them into the shape he wants them. But I wonder if deep down he thinks that they might not be... They might... They'll always be top four. They'll probably get to a final. I don't think that they'll win. I just think there's something not quite right, right about that, them. That injury to AJ right at the end of last season, that was that was one of the lowest moments for me as, a, as an American rugby fan, especially. It's like, yeah. oh, great. And it's practically after the 80-minute mark. And, oh, boy, man. Well, I, I, I'm so glad he's going to be back in Canada because I, I thought it was going to be longer than that. I will tell you something which I find interesting. When I see the players come off for sale, um, they come off and they are just, I don't know, they look like they've played rugby, right? Obviously. AJ drags himself off that field. And I do think a lot of the times that he's got injured is because he plays like he's three or four stone heavier than he is. There, there was a time, I, I didn't think it this year, but there was a time it, I felt like he was on the floor a lot. I feel like he was trying, he was like making moves, at, trying to get into rucks and things. And I'm like, it was almost like he forgot what his position was. I'm like, this guy's getting up from the ground a lot more than your tent should be. It seems yeah. like, and, and that's got to be wear and tear on his body too. Do you ever pay attention to what to much of what David Flatman says? Oh yeah, yeah, I, lo- I love listening to those guys. Yeah, uh, so I yeah I hang on most of his words to be fair, but he made a phenomenal great, great uh, grilling tips too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, he made a phenomenal point uh, about you know who was the bravest player that you played with, and I think he came up with George Ford. I don't know whether he played with them or is in the Premiership. And it was George Ford because George Ford takes the ball to the line every single time and gets clattered. And he's got <laughs> a hell of a point because George Ford, AJ McGinty, Ryan Lamb back in the day, you know, there's a lot of smaller fly halves out there. And that's what they do. They take the ball to the line and they get clattered every single time. Yeah. And they get up and they do it again. And that's exactly what AJ McGinty I, I swear, I thought this was the year that AJ kind of figured it out. I felt like, okay, he, he's on his feet a lot more. And then, of course, that leads to the injury. So what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I tell you what, if he did figure it out, like say Reese Priestland figured it out for Bath, and they don't take the ball to the line or they do try and preserve themselves, the dichotomy of that is you lose the player that you think you've got. Yeah, and that, that's, so a big, that's a big NBA thing too. It's like, okay, Alan Iverson looks great, but he's he's only six feet tall and he's getting hammered to the floor every single yeah, time he has yeah, the ball. Yeah. So that, you know, he can only hit the floor so many times. Mm. So, so here's one for you. If, if there was a mini tournament between the best teams in what's now called the United Rugby Championship, the Prem, the French Top 14, and Super Rugby, who's going to be the champion? Hmm. Oh, God, that's a really hard question. So let's just discount who's not going to be the champion. Um, no one from the Pro 14 outside of Leinster because they mm. don't have the depth to go at it week in, week out. So, so, good. So, so, so what do we assume? Do we assume that they're playing, what, 20 games a season? 
Yeah, it would have to be a round robin turn. I'm thinking sort of like the Champions Cup kind of thing. Okay, so if they oh right, okay, so Champions Cup is different, isn't it? Because you've got the you know a group stage, you know, so Leinster or that opens it up to all sorts of teams. If it was a league like the Premiership and you just picked you know the best teams to go go into it, then I don't think you'd see any Pro 14 teams because I don't think they have the depth to sustain mm. it. Look at the first 15 for the Ospreys. Couple of lines in there, lots of internationals. Brilliant first fifteen. They don't have any depth underneath it, so you can get rid of all of them. Australia, no, not them. South African teams, not them. But the, uh, the Crusaders would be in there. Crusaders. I don't know how. I don't know enough about them to be honest to say how deep they are. I know how amazing mm. they are. You know their first fifteen. Right, right. I, I suspect you're right, though. I suspect you are right. They would at least be there. It's going uh, to be someone, someone like Rassing, isn't it? Rassing. I mean, yeah, of course it would. Yeah, I mean, Rafting, Blues, some of those boys, they're just too deep in their squads and they're too massive in their first 15s. That's what I'd say. And do you know what? Sorry, just to elaborate yeah, on yeah. that. Sorry, no. Of course. Um, you know, what I love about those French teams um, and Exeter is how they teach you to play rugby in a way you don't want to play rugby. And, oh, how, uh, how so? What do you mean? Well, so if you spend any time on time on Twitter, well, and that's how we met, so I assume you are on Twitter, there is a whole cadre of new age thinking coaches who want to talk about offloading and speed of the game and skills and you know all that nonsense. And then you go over to Toulouse or you go over to La Rochelle and they punch you in the face continually, like metaphorically. And there's just nothing you can do about it. <laughs> you, can do about it. you know, they're running 20 stone men over you over and over and over again. So when Racing, sorry, when Toulouse played Ra um, La Rochelle in the Champions Cup final, I think I'm right in saying that La Rochelle fielded the two big, the two biggest players, um, which were uh, not Slump, uh, Weenie Antonio and Skelton, who are in their own rights, probably two of the biggest players in the world. And yet the average size of the Toulouse pack member was bigger. <laughs> and guys just hit each other with hammers all all day long, and it's not what anyone wants to see. If you're in these coaching fraternities, or if you're taking Zoom calls about I don't know skills or offloading sessions, no one wants to see this. But I want to see it. I <laughs> well, this, this, this is tied into your theory that it's it's all about bullying at the at the fundamental level. Is that right? It is, isn't it? It's it, that's exactly. I've 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 not mentioned that that for a while, but you're absolutely right. Whether it be showing your opposition opposition up with your speed, with your footwork, by handing him off in the chest and pushing him on the floor, or if it's just the you know the scrum or the maul or getting over the gain line, it's all about bullying and belittling your opposition. That's that's what it is, isn't it? Exactly what it is. So where I don't think I've heard you talk about it. So what was your take? Remember the Joe Marler thing, the, uh, you know, him with Alan Wynn Jones, it diddles him a little bit and he's kind of joking around. And then I think he got suspended though. The suspension kind of didn't exist. And Alan Wynn was like, yeah, whatever. What was, was that, was that bullying? Was that a good idea? Was that just dumb? Uh, was it nothing? Okay. So I think the whole idea of sport is, it's institutionalized bullying, isn't it? You know, it, we have our safety words, if you like, or our rules which we are comfortable with. And within those rules, you pretty much can do whatever you want until it gets a little bit too out of hand. So we used to be able to stamp on each other in um, in, in rugby. We used to be able to throw punches and, 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 and whatnot. My view on Joe Marler is it was silly. He shouldn't be thrown to the wolves. And I think, broadly speaking, he got enough of a punishment 
and I, I'm not one that thinks that necessarily punishments have to be codified. Mm. I think the damage to his reputation in the media and the press over that couple of weeks was probably enough. Was probably enough. Mm. And I don't think he'll do it again. Um, that's... The whole thing, whole thing seemed pretty silly. Well, <laughs> I, I feel like immediately afterwards he thought, oh, crap, there's a bunch of cameras everywhere. Oh, crap, here comes social media. Yeah, that's exactly it. And, you know, it's a pretty effective strategy what Joe Moore implemented if he was in a nightclub or if he wanted to you know, real, <laughs> really, really rile someone up on the streets. You know, he's a big old boy. He can defend himself. I think that would work, though I don't think I would find myself swinging at him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what he's trying to do with Alan jones He was trying to, she's trying to rile him up, get a reaction out, out of the Welsh captain. And of course, Alan Wynne jones being the consummate professional, didn't rise to it. And that's what's, that's what's wonderful. It was. I guess the wonderful thing is, okay, you've really provoked the Welsh captain, and guess what he did? Nothing, because he's an absolute upstanding professional. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I love Joe Marley too, especially last year. Some of his performances for Harlequins were just so good. You, like, see him, you see him do things where he's so physically in control. He'll be sort of holding on to somebody who's trying to tackle him and carrying him forward while yeah. pointing at somebody else saying, I know what you're about to do and you can't do it. It's like, he's at a whole extra level, I think. Yeah. He's probably one of the biggest reasons that Harlequins win the league. I think so. Hey. Watching him walk around on the pitch and just be like, guys, we got him. He Don't struts. Worry. He struts. And I said, like, I was under the impression that he wasn't a big guy. Now, just let me clarify what I mean by that. Um, there was some chat that he was a little undersized when he first came into the league. Um, and I remember seeing him in the England, England had like a press day for kind of fans and influencers and whatnot. And we were lucky enough to go and interview the England team under Lancaster just before they went to the World Cup. And I remember two guys making an enormous impression on me. Mm -hmm. Well, actually three guys. Um, one was Chris, Chris Robshaw, because for the sheer amount of time that he gave to pretty much everyone and what a brilliant guy that he actually is. And the other two were George Cruz and Joe Mahler, simply for their physical presence. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I think, again, it's another David Flatman quote. Um, I, he was saying that he doesn't think Joe Mahler's that big, but the way he sort of hulks over, he carries himself. He's got that shape. Yeah. Got those two boys in particular... Low center of gravity, I guess that, that helps too. He's like, he's like a you know a fire plug. Yeah, but, he's, but he's, you know that's kind of to do a disservice to his rugby performances, which have been phenomenal. His work rate, his ability to tackle. You know, I feel like I feel like his intelligence. I feel like you can see his intelligence on the field, which is yeah. not something that's easy to see. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Well, that was part two. Uh, such a great conversation. I'm enjoying it so much. I hope you are too. Stay tuned for the next part coming tomorrow. Uh, JB, thank you again. This was just fantastic. I'm so happy to keep doing it. Please get in touch. Let me know what you think. I'm at of Scrum. I am always uh, via the Scrum of the Earth at gmail.com, and I'm always excited to hear from you. Uh, another great, just great talk. Uh, I can't wait to catch up with JB again. He's a, he's a heck of a lad, and that's not even an American thing to say, so there you go. Who are you? Who me? Hey, you, old Jin.
Aye, what is it? Are you gaming at Bush? Are you George Bush? Ah, George Bush. Uh, ask him if he's Kate Bush, man. Ask him. Shut up, man. Shut up. Are you Kate Bush? Aye, that's right. A couple of Egypts. <laughs> <laughs>